fucking awesome. Come on, it's gonna be fucking awesome. You know the words. It's gonna be fucking awesome. That's it, say. It's gonna be fucking awesome. Yeah. Hi ho, coolest geeks. Jesse Blaze Snyder here, and that is perhaps the most appropriate introduction that I've ever made. Um, well, I mean, I do that all the time when I do the show. I go, hi ho, Jesse Blaze Snyder here, and that's what fucking Kermit the Frog says when he's on Sesame Street. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and <laughs> whatever it is. And uh, today I am here to talk about the great Jim Henson, the coolest geek who ever lived. Jim's legacy can be felt far and wide in so many things. He just knocked down so many doors and broke so many barriers and just created so many incredible things. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that one man could be responsible for so much greatness. And they are all subculture. It's all nerdy shit. You know, hey, let's let's like make some puppets talk together and um, and great group dynamics and getting great teams together, um, you know, teams that uh, worked so well together for years and years and, uh, you know, held together by Jim. Um, you know, it, it's just he's he's just the greatest man who ever lived as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I just I adore Jim Henson. He's my idol. He's the person that I look up to the most next to my father and my mother. And, um, you know, Jim is just otherworldly to me. Uh, just thinking about him makes me happy. And there's so many things. You know, when I was a kid, my mom introduced me to The Muppet Show at a very young age. And, um, and that was a huge musical influence for me. You know, I'm a musician and, and, uh, and, and I'm very eclectic in the type of music that I make because of The Muppet Show. Even though I was raised on rock and roll by D. Snyder, you know, I was still brought up um, by like a range of things by Kermit the Frog <laughs> and the rest of the Muppets. And um, so the Muppets, I love the Muppets and Sesame Street. I used to watch Sesame Street all the time and, um, you know, really connected with those those characters and, uh, you know, and, and there was tons of movies and things early. Th I'm going to go through like all the filmography. And there were some of these things that I grew up with, like show uh, movies like the um, Christmas toy or the Mupp uh, Muppet Musicians of Bremen, which I just recently watched uh, again with my kids. Uh, they didn't really watch it. I kind of watched it by myself. <laughs> they were doing other things. It wasn't a good time for me to put it on. I was just kind of like feeling nostalgic. And I was like, this is available. Fuck, <laughs> I put it on, but it is really cool and it is worthwhile. And if I could get some popcorn on with the kids and watch it and like, it's not the best quality, the one on YouTube, but uh, it's great. It really holds up. They're all most of the great Muppet stuff holds up and uh, the Muppet stuff is, I should say, Jim Henson stuff. And there's a wide range of this. And I'm going to go into some of the things that, you know, you can thank Jim for basically um, like the creature shop, like Frank Oz. Um, and, uh, you know, the, there are so many little things that we'll talk about along the way. And I, I'm not here to, you know, give Jim's biography. If you want to find out, like, all the factoids about Jim, I've read so many books about Jim, but I'm not good at holding on to that sort of information. Um, I could tell you he had a great wife who uh, worked with him from the very beginning and uh, helped him, you know, build things up. He built things up um, through small 
like public access television kind of thing, you know, making little guest appearances, doing commercials. There's some great commercials that you can go find uh, produced, you know, by usually Jim performing as Ralph the Dog and a lot of them. Um, but there's a lot of them. I don't want to get like names wrong for some of these brands, but if you type in like Jim Henson commercials um, uh, on YouTube, you'll, you'll get some great stuff, really funny stuff too. I mean, really genuinely funny. And then he was making appearances on the, the Jimmy Dean show and whatnot. And I'll, I'll have some references to this in a little bit because I'm going to go through his filmography. But, you know, they built this up and it was Jane and, and Jim, you know, for a very long time. Uh, and then he eventually he, he brought in other people. And, she, and Jane was still very much a part of it, training people to be puppeteers and um, and uh, you know obviously a major part of Jim's life and um, and she brought in uh, famously Steve Whitmire who uh, was uh, was it Rizzo the Rat Dave Golas is Gonzo so Steve Whitmire's uh, Rizzo the Rat and uh, who went on to do Kermit for a little while and uh, and other characters as well anyway Steve's great he's one of my my, my favorite puppeteers uh, in the Henson crew of, uh, of people um, anyway um, Jim is, as far as I'm concerned, a mind-blowing intellect in so many ways. And what he really did at the end of the day was he broke down people's prejudices about puppets. And it seems like a silly thing. But, you know, and people forget this now because Disney has disney the Muppets and the Muppets have sucked ever since. But the original idea behind The Muppet Show was that it was a show that was aimed at adults, but kids could watch too. That was it. It was aimed at adults, but kids could watch too. And that has been lost, that spirit of aimed at adults, but kids could watch it. They've, they've, they, you know, they've mistook in it for Sesame Street. And a lot of this comes from the fact that people who have been hired behind the scenes for The Muppet, they don't understand The Muppets. They don't get like... They don't get the humor. They don't get it at all. You know, they're just like, they were like, yeah, the Muppets, I'd love to work on that. And now they're working on a property that they don't love. Famously, I wrote some Muppet Snow White comic books, uh, miniseries. There was, there was a lot of things that I was like pitching and trying to work on uh, for this Muppet license. And the Muppet license was very, it was just like there was a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And the writer who was representing the Henson Company was tone deaf to the material he wrote everything like it was sesame street and um it that was hard because it was he was the henson guy and the henson guy was not not on the ball uh in terms of like what kind of humor and you know what we were going for and then uh you know least of which the disney people who were trying to get me to add whoopee cushions and uh rubber chickens into the backgrounds of comic book panels because somehow they thought that that would add humor to the book Ha ha ha! A whoopee cushion. <laughs> it's just like fucking stupid. They ruined lots of like great parts of my book. I mean, really, they ruined the whole book by. Um, I didn't have the heart to add more joke. They wanted me to add a joke to every panel, and I was just like, I can't do it. <laughs> just, I was just like, it broke my heart because I was so. I don't want to say like, you know, I was pleased with what I did. Like, like I'm like an asshole and I was like, I'm so pleased with what I did. But like, I'm a Muppets fan and I, man, I put so much fucking love into this book and tried to squeeze in so many characters and just handle them right. And I was so proud. I was so proud of myself. I wrote the second issue and the third issue 
in like a day each, two days later. Like it was like boom, boom, boom. Handed in three scripts and I was about to write the fourth issue on Friday and I'm like, I'm gonna write this whole thing. And that morning I woke up to my notes on issue one and I was devastated. I had like five different colors. You know, you get them in the Word document, there's five different people talking about your script. And the least of which was my my editor, Aaron, who's you know, one of my best friends. And, um, you know, he had a, a few notes in there or whatever, but it was generally, uh, you know, like a, cool, we, I like this, this is nice. And then their notes were just so fucking mundane and stupid and like, ugh. And you know kids are going to be re- I mean, uh, adults are going to be reading this Muppet fairy tales thing to their children. You know, it's not going to be like adults uh, reading this book by themselves, the Muppet fairy tales in particular. Like, you know, it's designed really for like parents to buy it for their kids. And they are just completely... So, sorry, my cat is like freaking out outside. He's got his leg stuck on the freaking... Okay, come on, come on. I told you I had to do my show and that you were going to be out there by yourself. I, I warned him. I warned him. I warned him. That's Ozzy Ozcat. He's the sweetest cat, so it's okay. Um, but I don't remember what I was talking about, Ozzy. I lost my train of thought. Now I have to pause and go back or something. Or do I remember? Give me a moment. <laughs> this break has been brought to you by Ozzy Ozcat. Um, he's a sweetheart. Uh, I wrote him a song. It goes, Ozzy, Ozzy, Oz, Oz, Ozzy, Oz, cat. He's like a lion. Wait, is he like a lion? Something, I forget how it goes. It's cute. <laughs> it's, it's cute, I promise. Um, all right, I'm pausing and I'm going back and I'm finding out where the fuck I was. Oh, yeah. So, um, so they were telling me to add a joke to every panel of this book that I knew was going to be read by parents to kids. And I had written it very consciously, recognizing that parents were probably going to be reading this to their kids. And I tried to make the book rather brisk, you know, not like, you know, be lazy and not write it or anything. I mean, there's plenty going on and there's plenty of parts where it was less than brisk but I tried to make up for the parts that were less than brisk by making some of the other parts a little bit more brisk and to go in and add a joke to every panel I mean it's just like you know as as a writer as a comic book writer you know and understanding you know doing comedy and comic books and how it really works best you know you've got to be kind of elegant uh with it horror and comedy both both things uh, and um rather heavy-handed to go in and add all these jokes that they brought in another writer who's a friend of mine Patrick Stork shout out Patrick Stork yo dude thanks brother appreciate it thanks for doing what I couldn't do um and uh you know and Pat was like he felt bad about it because it was like you know I, I was making all the jokes that were there to make you know so so we so he was having to like fucking make shit up uh and he got a couple good ones but uh for the most part it just you know it, it just wasn't it wasn't meant to it's bloated now so, you know, I say all that just to go, this is like the kind of thinking that goes into the modern Disney, like just notes and fucking stupidity and overthinking and a fundamental misunderstanding of the characters like, you know, Miss Piggy and the, the you know, the, the, the Muppet characters, um, you know, the, the, I've talked about this before and I'll, but, and I'll just, you know, say a bit right now, but the Muppets are, man, they're this amazing artistic growing tool because what the what the Muppets represent are people of all variety who have special purpose within them 
and each one of the Muppets sort of represents this special purpose that they can't get right. Fozzie Bear wants to be a comedian, but he's fucking terrible. And he literally has two old guys reminding him of how terrible he is every night. Uh, you know, the Electric Mayhem want to be big rock stars, but uh, Animal, you know, breaks the set before the show is finished, you know, and they'd never finish a song. Uh, and Gonzo's uh, going to be a weirdo, but he keeps almost blowing everything up and setting the place on fire. And uh, Miss Piggy's, uh, you know, wants to be a glamorous supermodel, but she's a pig. And, you know, and that pig metaphor is much deeper than she's a pig, which they tends to be focused on like, oh, we don't like them. It's a metaphor. She's pig headed. She's a jerk. She's uh, unconscious and selfish. And uh, hey, yeah, <laughs> she she's she doesn't deserve what she wants. Right. This is one of the reasons why that stupid show that they did, the Muppets didn't work because they gave Piggy what she didn't deserve. And nobody who was ever watching The Muppet Show was like, you know what? They should do a show where Miss Piggy gets everything she's ever wanted and gets to boss everybody around. Yeah, that'll be funny. Now, now it's like fundamentally like, what the fuck? <laughs> the fuck? And Kermit is a frog running a variety show. Traditionally, that's something that's done by human beings. I've never seen a frog do it before. It's interesting seeing a frog do it. Of course, he's doing it the way that, like, you know, they tell you not to do it. He's bringing in all of his friends and all the people that he has, like, emotional relationships with. And he's letting everybody get it, get time on stage, even if they suck. Even if the Swedish chef can't finish a fucking meal. <laughs> even if Sam the Bald Eagle can't finish an interview. Even if Wayne and Wanda can't get through a dance. You know, it's just, it's all the same kind of ultimate thing. And what does that teach people who are watching at home? Well, creative people like me go, well, if these people are brave enough to keep going out there, even though they're failing spectacularly, certainly I'm better than these Muppets. I can do it. You know, that's where the saying comes from. These fucking Muppets. You know, if you go over to Britain, they're like, you're a Muppet. You're a Muppet. You're a Muppet. Um, I always like hearing that because it really sums it up. Like, like, like the Brits get it. You're a Muppet. <laughs> you know, they can't fucking get it right. That's why they shouldn't have a successful show. It's got to be like trying to get a show. You know, that's got that's the Muppets. Anyway, Jim Henson is brilliant. We're going to go through all the reasons why and as we go through his career. And um, I'm just going to kind of start with uh, films from him. Um, he, he's made a bunch of short films. I don't remember how many I've seen of them. I think I've seen at least one. I don't remember which one it is. I think it was Time Peace. I think it was the first one. Um it was silent and um, interesting, but not the kind of thing that you'd like watch a lot of times. So I don't remember it very well. Um, I'm sure it was something that would be a little bit more appreciated by uh, budding filmmakers and film students. Uh, people appreciate film a little bit more than I do. I mean, like I love movies and stuff, but I still have yet to kind of get into the minutia of editing and stuff. I really feel like it takes you out of the experience. So I try not to think about it too much. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's done a few short films over the years, and those are cool or whatever. But uh, I'm not really gonna recommend those, uh, you know, uh, as first thing. Okay, so first thing as we get into his films, um, because like this kind of thrusts us into things, even though we'll talk about like his early history when we get into TV. Um, obviously, if you haven't watched the Muppet movies that were made while Jim was alive, um, you got to do that. Uh, his son 
Brian did a great job continuing the legacy afterwards. Um, Muppets Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, and Muppets from Space are all excellent and produced by Brian Henson. And uh, I wish they'd stuck with them and not, um, you know, like it, it didn't quite capture what Jim had captured. But, you know, I think they really could have built on that and didn't have to go another way and reinvent the wheel. Um, the first one in 1979 is the Muppet movie. Uh, which um, is produced uh, by uh, Jim, uh, but he directs the next one, The Great Muppet Caper, which is a favorite of mine. But the Muppet movie and The Great Muppet Caper are amazing. The The Muppet movie's interesting and simple. I found myself watching and re-watching The Great Muppet Caper and uh, The Muppets Take Manhattan over and over again. Um, those ones are really great and have a lot of pathos you know thing about the Muppets is they're genuinely funny when they're funny and it comes from character and it comes from interrelationships between the types of characters and just sort of like playing off of the basic premise of each person's character um, and they when that's done right it's just comedy gold and wonderful and also when that's done right it can be really emotional and really impactful and really cool and the Muppets have always had this great balance of being sweet and hysterical at the same time and kind of I think get both out of you from that you know that you get a richer laugh out of you because you love these these people um you know a, a nervous laughter when Fozzie's doing his thing you know it's, it's just so funny because you empathize with these puppets you know I, I've been saying one of the major problems with the Transformers movies that they've been making lately um, not lately, but since they started making the movies, uh, other than the animated one, is they're afraid to humanize the robots. And by being afraid to humanize the robots and relying on the humans to be like the heart of the story or whatever, um, you never really give two shits about the robots. And, uh, you know, whenever you watch the cartoons, I always cared about the robots. I cared about them a lot. And the cartoons, if I remember correctly, would spend a decent amount of time humanizing them and their motivations and whatever it is you know even though they're robots they're motivated by something you know and and like that's the things that really make us care and like just we need to get the cybertron crystal you know it's like who gives a shit you know, it's like mcguffin city you know so when you make up a thing uh for everybody to chase it's not very satisfying but meanwhile you got jim henson who's making everybody fall in love with a hand in some fabric uh and his whole group is you know you know getting great people beyond that david golez who plays gonzo and other characters and steve whitmire who does rizzo and um just there, there's so many performers who have come uh through and since um you know just like all the fraggle rock performers and brian henson his son is a great performer who's done some great characters here there we'll talk about some of that stuff um it's it's incredible the legacy this man has. So if you haven't seen, I mean, to watch the, the Muppet movie, I mean, it's just so classic. And it might seem like a little passe or whatever if you go back to watch the Muppet movie. But, you know, the Rainbow Connection is there. And, uh, you know, it's got this, this great ending with all these these Muppets. And uh, with the Sesame Street Muppets show up, it's really cool. It's like a little cameo thing in the studio. And they sing, life's like a movie, write your own ending. Keep believing, keep pretending. We've done just what we've set out to do. Thanks to the lovers, the dreamers, and you. Damn it.
Sorry, it made me, made me, made me get all misty-eyed. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Wanted to live my life like that. I do. I do. I live my life like that. It's very nice. It's nice to be a dreamer. And, uh, you know, that's what, like, Jim Henson, and that's what his legacy oh, means so much to me. I should have known I was going to start crying talking about Jim Henson. He's my favorite. <sighs> Keep believing. Keep pretending. I mean, this man went his whole life pretending, creating these beautiful worlds. And I mean, this is just the beginning. You know, the Muppets. We just talked about Sesame Street and where you get into more. But... That first film, the Muppet movie, uh, obviously. <laughs> I love the Muppets. I should have known. I should have known. I recorded the show late at night. I've been running late. I'm doing this music show. All your favorite bands suck. It's super fun. But sometimes it gets a little bit like homework, Doing listening to all the music. I had a lot of 311 albums that I had to listen to just because I love 311 and I wanted to make sure that like I like had gone through all their stuff and I could recommend all their albums and they have so many albums that I love. So I, I was like a little late and then I was a little late on this. I've been really busy. I'm traveling. I'm in California. Ugh, I'm doing like this spiritual retreat this weekend though and I'm really excited about it because I feel like I'm kind of like about ready to pop. So I'm exhausted on top of it and I'm doing this late at night. <laughs> so you're getting, you're getting Jesse who's like exhausted and emotional and now I'm going to cry a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> probably I'll try to hold it and try to keep myself together all right so the Muppet movie is just fabulous but I like even better the great Muppet caper after that in 81 and 1984 the people who they got to write uh, songs I think I want to say Joshua Williamson I might be wrong about that but maybe I'm right um, the great Muppet caper like uh, dude there's a song from the beginning where they're in a cab and they're heading to this hotel that they're staying at called the happiness hotel and it's just such a fucking awesome song if you got luggage, keep it handy, cause you're running out of luck. Cause the bellhops ain't too organized and the elevator's stuck. But if you don't mind friendly animals and can learn to stand the smell, you'll fit right in to Happiness Hotel. It's fucking funny. <laughs> the whole song's really funny. It's just about how like shitty the hotel is. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, it's, it's great. Uh, the Great Muppet Caper and, um, and uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, which is basically Kermit wants to be like a playwright. They kind of put on a thing in college and they, they part ways and eventually uh, they do, you know, come back in the end. But when they part ways, there's this song that kills me. I did a cover of it a few years ago. This is one of the most beautiful songs ever. Again, I think by the same people um, saying goodbye. Why is it sad? Makes us remember the good times we've had. Uh, Something, something, what is it? Wondering why it's time for saying goodbye. It's so beautiful. It's such a pretty song. It's time for saying goodbye. Beautiful, beautiful, funny, heartfelt, great stuff. I mean, the, the movies are not The Muppet Show. And to truly appreciate The Muppets, you really have to watch The Muppet Show. And uh, I'll talk about it more a little bit when we go into uh, the, the TV portion of, of things here. But like, uh, The Muppet Show is where it's at. And that 
watching the original Muppet Show, which still holds up largely. You know, some of it may be passe, but the songs are great, and lots of the sketches are fucking hysterical, and lots of the sketches are just amusing and fun, and uh, you know, it's worth getting into. And, and just fun. It's fun watching these creatures and these different things, and there's a zany personality to it all. Uh, really, like, like you got to check, check that out. Finishing, like, the filmography here, um, in between this, he does The Dark Crystal, which was a bit of... Um, it's funny. I always liked The Dark Crystal, wanted to like it more, but I found it... The writing of it, I found a little light. Um, or at least it wasn't well-conceived. Uh, it wasn't well laid out. It wasn't richly told. I'm not sure. The world was richly made. It was very interesting. A lot of it kind of creeped me out, though, as a kid. Um, however, they continued the story by doing a prequel to The Dark Crystal in the um, Dark Crystal Resistance. It's on Netflix. And it's incredible. It is a love letter to Jim Henson and a half. And it's better than the fucking Dark Crystal. It makes The Dark Crystal that much better. And if you're a Dark Crystal fan, go watch it. And if you are not a Dark Crystal fan and ever watched Dark Crystal, watch the Dark Crystal Resistance first, and then watch the the the, the Dark Crystal, knowing that like you know it's going to be a step back in a way or two, but that like everything that that show is is ultimately built for the Dark Crystal, which it's just so it's beautiful. It's so beautiful what they did. So this was really ambitious, and it was a little bit of a setback for him in his career. I remember uh, reading in his book that he was a bit devastated by some of the you know reaction or critical review or whatever different things. But man, a lot of love went into the Dark Crystal, and uh, as something that that uh, you know something that stands the test of time now. And I'm so glad it exists, and um, you know, and um, I hope he's looking down from heaven, glad to see how many people have been turned on to and glad to see what they did with his oh god on like touches me it's so good what they made anyway um in 1985 they did sesame street presents follow that bird it's great it's a little bit like harrowing and like too <laughs> too emotional i remember as a kid just being like sort of like Wow, by by like just so many of the emotions that I felt watching Sesame Street Presents Follow That Bird. But it's like, it's great. It's like the right kind of things to think about and feel and understand. And and uh, it's it's a it's really solid, really solid um, uh, flick. Um, he, he only plays Kermit the Frog in that, but it's a very good one. Um, you know, so many of these I think are existentially... <laughs> you know, produced with the Jim Henson label on it. Uh, it'd be great if I could just get a list of all those things. Um, but there's so many of those things that aren't necessarily like like the things that we want to like focus on. Additionally, uh, Jim produced The Witches in 1990. Um, and The Witches is fucking great. If you've never seen that with Angelica Houston as the the, main, the mean witch and uh, they, they got all these great creature shop effects. Creature shop is the, the creature house that makes like monsters and animatronics. I'm going to talk about that more later because that's a really exciting subject because uh, that's more of the legacy of Jim Henson, which is just so vast. 
Um, the Witches is great. Uh, we've always loved The Witches. Uh, I think they remade it recently. Uh, but the original is awesome. I don't know if I saw the remake. Uh, and then in 1991, uh, shortly before uh, his death, uh, he did uh, Muppet Vision 3D, which he directed himself. Muppet Vision 3D is a favorite of mine. It stinks that it's not there anymore. If you've never been able to experience Muppet Vision 3D, it's just it's really excellent. Um, I think you can find it on like YouTube. Thank God for YouTube and now like things that you can't find, like they show up on YouTube. And if you get creative with your searches, sometimes you'll find things that like seem like they're not there, but they're there. They're there, yo, they're there. Um, and there's so much Muppet stuff. When we get into these TV things here, because a lot of them are TV films and you can find some of these great things. And I didn't have YouTube when I was a fan, like growing up. I ended up hooking up with a guy who went by the name of Kermy Clown something or other and he was a big uh, Muppet fan and he would like exchange uh, do different exchanges I forget what I had I think I had some VHS's or something that I got in a hold of that he didn't have um, some Muppet Babies on VHS I worked at a Blockbuster video for a little while uh, and when we were getting rid of VHS's I, I, they, they were supposed to throw them all away but I went back in the dumpster afterwards and I snagged out all the Muppets um, and then a couple different like TV shows like the Flash TV show and like a couple different things that were like I was like fuck man these aren't on DVD <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever be and I was you know I was really lucky for the Muppet show too I mean not the Muppet show the uh, Muppet Babies because like that stuff's still not available even though I don't have the VHS's anymore I lost them in my fire oh but you can find a lot of the shit on YouTube now thank God so that's super cool but I did get tons of stuff at the time on uh, like DVDs burned DVDs from Kermy Clown in exchange for some things that I gave his way but he definitely gave me way more than I gave him so going into Jim's television career like I said you know uh, at first uh, just as an actor doing characters like Pierre the French Rat and you know Sam and uh, Yorick and Kermit uh, early versions of Kermit um, on uh, the Junior Morning Show uh, Saturday afternoon with Inga in our town, which I think these were all just kind of like morning shows in the or the mid fifties. So then in uh, the late fifties to late sixties, uh, uh, they did a show called Sam and Friends, which uh, was airing on WRC TV, which I think was kind of like a public, like it was pretty small scale, but made noise, you know. And Sam and Friends has got some great stuff. You can go watch like a Sam and Friends highlight reel. Some of it's some of it could be a little boring sometimes. Um, some. Uh, most of it, though, is generally kind of fun and Antarctic and silly, and, and, and some of it is really genuinely great. Um, as time goes on, you know, they, they get cleverer and cleverer, so some of it seems a little, like, lame compared to what they go on to do. But... Sam and Friends is cool, and if you get into the Muppets and all these other things, going back and checking out some of this stuff is highly recommended. Um, but even, I mean, at any point in time, you can go back and check out some highlights from their commercials and stuff. It's great. It's just great to go see them. So um, then he played Sam and additional Muppets in Footlight Theater. I don't know anything about Footlight Theater. Um, there's Tales of the Tinker D, which is an early one. It says here that it was an unaired pilot. It's available on YouTube. Um, I, I hadn't thought that it was unaired. I thought that it was aired. Um, but he produced that and, uh, you know, wrote it and acted in it. Uh, you know, early bits of his, 
uh, you know, new styles, new new kinds of puppets and stuff that they were trying with. It's like some 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 of their breakaway stuff uh, for them, like you know, kind of <coughs> doing more with it than they had with Sam and Friends, which, like I said, is a little bit like mundane compared to what they started to do, which was a little bit more interesting. Uh, even though what they were doing from the very beginning was interesting, they just they're just such innovators that they kept like kind of out innovating themselves. Um, anyway, they were on the Jimmy Dean show pretty regularly uh, as Ralph the dog as a as a guest. Um, and uh, there's another short that comes out called The Cube, which I'm pretty I don't know why that one's here on the TV thing. Maybe it aired on TV. The Cube. It doesn't say here what it aired. I think The Cube was one of his other shorts, and maybe I watched that one too. I'm not sure. Like I said, I only watched them once, and they were you know like uh, art films. Um, then there's The Wizard of Id test pilot. I don't remember much about that, uh, but apparently that's available on YouTube. I'm going to have to go watch it and find out about that one. And Hey Cinderella, which did come out, and Hey Cinderella's great. Kermit the Frog appears in that one. Hey Cinderella's really solid. I think you can probably find that on DVD or whatever, and I think sometimes maybe that shows up in places. But I haven't shown the, seen these uh, many of these things show up on uh, Disney yet, which is really disappointing because like, this stuff's like so great. Maybe they don't own some of these things, and it'd be great to be... They've lost their legacy thing, you know, turning people on to Walt Disney, making people fans of Walt Disney, making people care about who he is, making people care of who Jim Henson is. You know, it's like this is the stuff that matters, making people care who George Lucas is. That's that's like what makes it special, you know. Whatever. Um, so then, of course, uh, we, they go on to Sesame Street in 69 and, um, and 1990, kind of off the success of Hey Cinderella and various appearances and whatnot and sesame street's cool you know it's interesting they say sesame street created uh, the adhd epidemic which i don't think is necessarily true i think that there are minds that have been coming into this world that have had a little bit more to offer and they've been kind of like running in place um by themselves uh and uh, just because they they've got like so much to do and there's kind of a limiting amount of things to do unless you're creative about giving yourself shit to do um you know i was always pretty good about that which i think helped my adhd was you know reading comics and drawing or you know whatever it was singing songs writing songs drawing uh, i said drawing pictures but like you know just doing things that i like playing with toys um you know to kind of like mitigate my adhd but i really think adhd is like a, a gift when you find out that people have that but uh, they have talked about how sesame street was a part of that or culprits that and maybe there's some truth to it um but they, they said this because basically um they it, it, this is kind of interesting because jim was pioneering these great commercials that were really effective ad campaigns for various companies um that i'll, I'll misname if i try to name them right now but um they were, uh, you know, very effective commercial campaigns that, you know, went on for long periods of time. You know, Ralph was a spokesperson for like some, some dog food, maybe it was Purina or whatever for a long time, um, you know, and uh, and, and he, they were doing various campaigns for different spots and, and it was very successful and, and an easy way to sort of communicate these ideas and these simple gags and whatnot. And they modeled Sesame Street after the way commercials would captivate people quickly teach them something, you know, in this case, selling them numbers or letters. And uh, and they had a very interesting sort of like 60 seconds per segment kind of thing with Sesame Street. I mean, granted, you know, they broke this a little bit, but but a lot of it was meant to be like the segmented bit where they were like, bip, 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 um, bouncing through uh, the, the various 
commercials for kids about learning uh, the alphabet and their numbers and uh, how to be kind and how to have good manners and things like that. Uh, so it was a very great strategy. It worked amazing. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you were a Sesame Street kid, but I was, and Sesame Street's gone on to this day. Granted, Sesame Street changed a lot when Elmo came along. It really, there's been a lot written about how intellectually it really kind of ruined a lot of the fundamental fundamentals of the Muppets, uh, you know, even though the main thing on Sesame Street is similar to what the Muppet Show is. Like, the Muppet Show, like, they can't exactly get it right. They want to, uh, uh, you know, learn, but they're they're a little slow. And the kids on the show are smarter. And, oh, Big Bird, it's like this. You know, like, like so, so, and that's, again, very encouraging. It's And it's the same thing. It's like for adult creative people, especially the Muppet Show is like that same thing, that nurturing bit of like, oh, you know, it's like, it's all right, Big Bird. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're the, you're in the power position. Uh, so then there's a thing called the Muppets on Puppets. I don't remember that one in particular. Not sure if I maybe miss, you know, some of these things have not been available at various times. You know, maybe if they were available now, they weren't available when I was looking for them. There was a point in time where I was trying to get my hands on everything. Um, and uh, but, you know, I, I got to see what I got to see. And then occasionally I'll, I'll come across something that I haven't seen, but it's pretty, pretty fucking rare at this point in time, uh, unless I like go up to look for something on like YouTube or whatever and find out, oh, look, this is here. Like recently I watched The Great Santa Claus Switch, which I'm going to get to in a second, which I really love The Great Santa Claus Switch. Um, I kind of recommend that a little bit, even though the quality of the versions that you can find online are, are, are light, but it's just like such a precursor to the Dark Crystal and the Labyrinth and all these other things that, that he did that were just so so cool did i skip over the labyrinth before i did it was between sesame street and the witches you know 1986 he puts out the labyrinth labyrinth is brilliant uh it says in my twitter bio i am the babe with the power of voodoo um it's which is a line from um from the movie uh there's some great songs in it uh david bowie's in it um he plays the goblin king he's pretty cool uh jennifer Connolly's in it she's beautiful i had such a crush on her it's great puppet effects, great world, very, very cool and interesting. Um, uh, my ex-wife, Patty, loves the Labyrinth. I know so many people who love the Labyrinth. If you've not been, a, if you're like a Tim Burton fan and you haven't watched the Labyrinth, oh my God, it's great. And I mean, I don't want to build it up too much because, you know, maybe it's a little kitty and it's whatever, like made in the 80s or whatever other thing, but like, it's wonderful. All, you know, practical effects and, um, and just beautiful monsters and great personalities and memorable moments of just like the helping hands and love this is just it's sort of like flashing through so many things it was like what do you what do you talk about um but i was just like every part of the movie just has so much heart in it as everything that jim henson does really just there's a lot of heart and there's some great lesson in it and uh you wasn't afraid to 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 hit you in the heartstrings, and uh, it's great, you know. And he directed that, and the, as the story for that one, and that one, I think was more successful, and I think he felt a little better after doing that one. And you know, Brian Henson plays, um, oh, what's the name? Uh, Hoggle, uh, Hoggle, the um, the kind of like goblin dude that um, that she befriends, who's kind of like tricking her and feels bad about it. Um, and uh, it's like an earlier role for him, and he's great. 
It's great. I love the Labyrinth. I can't believe I skipped over that one. Sorry. Sorry for skipping over that one. Anyway, back over to the TV stuff. So we start to get into the real deal as Sesame Street comes along. Uh, and then we got Muppets and Puppets. There was a ton of specials. Uh, the Frog Prince. Frog Prince is great. Frog Prince is generally kind of been available here or there. At least it was on VHS for a long time. And I think eventually it came to like a DVD or something. Hopefully you can find that one somewhere. The Muppet Musicians of Bremen, which I talked about at the top of the show, which is four animals, a dog, a cat, uh, a rooster, and a donkey. And they're all being abused by their owners who are criminals. And they steal these instruments and they're like, we don't fucking, you know, who wants these stupid instruments? And the animals end up stealing the instruments and becoming a band and getting revenge on their guys in a sweet way. And it, it, it's, it's quite nice. I know it's based on something, uh, you know, a, a story or whatever. And, uh, it, but uh, I haven't read the original, but it's lovely the way the story plays out and the, and the songs are really fun. And, and I highly recommend the Muppet Musicians of Bremen. You know, perhaps not your first thing to do for the Muppets, but eventually. Uh, and then there's the Muppet Valentine's show and the Muppet show sex and violence. So he had this idea for the Muppet show. He's trying to sell it for a while and they did a couple different pilots and what ultimately came to screen with the Muppet show and even like what happened in the first season of the Muppet show to what came into being in the second season of the Muppet show and the second, third and fourth season are probably like the strongest fifth season's good too. Um, but, um, the, the Muppet show proper, and I mean, like these pilots and stuff, I wouldn't recommend watching them until you watch The Muppet Show. There's five seasons. Watch them all. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, if you got to start from the second season, but I mean, like there's great guest stars in the first season. I mean, there's great songs, tons of great music. It's fun. You know, just go in there to have a good time. Sit down and, you know, just just put it on when you're in a good mood and, and try to give yourself a chance to get into the Muppet show because it'll be the best thing you ever did for yourself. It's just, it's great and it's encouraging and it's fun and it's funny. And, uh, you just, you're just going to fall in love with these characters, Fozzie and Gonzo and Sam, the bald Eagle, Sam, the bald Eagle is one of my fucking favorites. He's just always like, just, he's just always lamenting how the show has gone off the rails in one way or another. Uh, you know, and like now we've it's lowbrow humor or whatever it might be. He's just he's just never satisfied. It's like Sam's always seeing Sam upset is just the best. And, and Sam's played by Frank Oz, who plays Animal, who plays Miss Piggy, uh, so many of the great classic Muppet characters. And, you know, uh, Jim Henson himself is Kermit the Frog, but he's also um, the Swedish chef. He's uh, Captain Link Hogthrob, uh, who I love. Um, he's Dr. Teeth from the Electric Mayhem. Um, who am I missing? There's a bunch of other ones that he is. Uh, he's Ernie to uh, Frank Oz's Bert on Sesame Street. And, um, and uh, Uncle Traveling Matt in Fraggle Rock, uh, which I haven't gotten to yet. But, uh, but it's another thing. So, so, he's so many roles. I, I should have pulled up. A thing. Maybe I'll pull up a little Rolodex of like some of the bits that, that he does. But, I mean, he, there's, there's so many. Oh, Ralph the Dog. I love Ralph. Ralph's one of my favorites. Um, so the Muppet Show, man, you gotta you gotta watch the Muppet Show. It's just the the quintessential Jim Henson thing, um, and it, it's just there's so much to learn from it. Still, I I still desperately hope uh, that one day I'm going to be able to um, work with the Muppets and help uh, them to to 
to, to do this property or whatever you want to call it justice. It's just, it's so, it's such a great tool for people at home, um, you know, who want to be creative people to watch The Muppet Show, to watch The Muppets struggle. And I really believe that. And I believe that there's just, there's so much more comedy to be mined and so much more good times to be had there. Hanging out with these people, being, uh, you know, watching the lives of these people. Um, I'm trying to find like a longer list of, of, of Jim Henson characters here, but of course they only have people that I named Kermit the Frog, Ralph the Dog, Ernie. Yeah, of course there's a lot more. He's, he's like tons, tons, tons and tons. I should have pulled up a, a fucking list. Maybe I will before the show's over, but I mean, I'm probably well into my normal show and, um, and I got plenty more to talk about. So let's do it. Let's do more. Um, Beyond the Muppet Show, uh, there's Emmett Otter's Jug Band, which, you know, save it for Christmas. Break it out next Christmas. I always watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band around Christmas. That's, like, very classic for me. Uh, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street is wonderful as well. Uh, quite enjoy that one. And that's in 1978. And then in 83 to 87 is Fraggle Rock. Now, Fraggle Rock is a show and a thing, a concept that blew my mind when I found out what the ultimate concept was for Fraggle Rock. And it was world peace. Jim Henson wanted to show, write a show that would teach children world peace. That was where he started. And that blew my mind. I was just like, what an abstract concept to begin thinking about a thing. I want to write a show that will teach kids world peace. And to me, it was just sort of like, to start there, what a what a conundrum like how do you do that well jim did it this way he introduced a world where there were humans and there were fraggles and there were dogs and there were doozers and there were ogres and there was the trash heap and in the beginning all of these worlds don't understand each other and are almost sort of opposed to one another. But as the show progresses with each season, walls are broken down and they gradually come to know each other better. And by the end of Fraggle Rock, they're all friends, basically. And that is teaching kids world peace. And, you know, it's terrible because it's such a big concept. I don't know what child was able to take that away from the show. But with that being the underlying concept, every show is essentially about world peace and learning these lessons and, you know, trying not to demonize each other and misunderstand each other. And what a guy. What a fucking guy. I love, I, I just like, I loved him for that. You know, it just made me love Fraggle Rock that much more. Uh, it just made me love him that much more that, you know, he went into this creative endeavor to enrich the lives of all of our children. It's fucking incredible. And Fraggle Rock's, you know, Fraggle Rock's a fun show and there's great music on Fraggle Rock. Um, you know, 
I don't know how Fraggle Rock holds up like for adults watching it. I've been wanting to like watch the whole thing just as a study because I never have. I mean, I think I've probably watched almost every episode, but it was a show that I watched all the time, but I can't be sure that I didn't miss an episode. And I had had a um, it on DVD, I think, at some point, but um, I don't think I got to watch everything. Uh, Big Bird in China, I don't remember that one. Don't eat the pictures, don't remember that. Little Muppet Monsters, eh. The Muppets, A Celebration of 30 Years. I seem to remember that being really great. Uh, the Tale of the Bunny Picnic's not one of my favorite. Uh, it introduces Bean Bunny, it's okay. Um, the Christmas Toy. The Christmas Toy's great. Again, another one to break out for Christmas. When I saw Toy Story, I was like, rip off, because a lot of concepts that are in Pixar's Toy Story um, are in the Christmas toy and the Christmas toy does them in like a lot of ways that are like really I don't know kind of heavy but kind of cool highly recommend the Christmas toy um and uh, I mean do I have to sit here I'm like 48 minutes so like I shouldn't like fucking dwell too long on all these all right um in 87 he did produce a show called the storyteller and I will say that the storyteller is a little hit or miss for me um some of these like old folklore whatever's they kind of like i don't know some, some, sometimes they're kind of open-ended and you don't necessarily feel like you learned anything and they're unsatisfying and some of these ones that they adapted in the way the stories are told they're kind of open-ended and unsatisfying and just the way they are in real life um but visually very cool. There's tons of creature shop stuff in here. Brian Henson uh, does the puppeteers, the dog of um, John Hurt, who plays the storyteller. And he just narrates these stories. And there's a ton of different ones, some of which I love. There's a couple of them that I've, I, I will watch over and over again. There's one with these uh, little red demons, uh, and he's playing cards with them. And he has this bag where... Uh, anything that he tells to go into the bag has to go into the bag. It's very interesting. It's about death. It's, it's fucking cool. Um, if you're into mythology and you're into stuff like this, uh, it's pretty authentic. And there's lots of cool stuff. Um, the storyteller. And, and definitely, again, a um, labor of love for Jim. Uh, you know, he executive produced uh, the storyteller, but it was something that, like, you know, he had a big passion for. Uh, I didn't get to watch the Fraggle Rock, the animated series. A Muppet Family Christmas is one of my favorites. A Muppet Family Christmas is a almost every year Christmas movie for me. Muppet Family Christmas, um, there are appearances for Sesame Street characters, um, or, or I should say all the major Sesame Street characters, appearances from all the major Fraggle Rock characters. Um, well, not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, it's awesome. It's like a great Muppets crossover and very genuinely funny. Uh, great scene in the kitchen between Swedish Chef and Big Bird. I won't spoil, but fucking awesome. Um, then what do we got here? Sing along, dance along. I don't know. Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies is great. Muppet Babies totally holds up. Uh, it stinks that it is not released like officially anywhere, and you can only get like bootleg stuff like to watch of it. But the Muppet Babies was really great. You know, Nanny. They're they're or they were orphans, and they're mother or whatever figure you never see her face you only ever see her legs she comes in and hi Donna, and they, they look up to her 
and uh, and they just imagine in the playroom and they go on all these adventures and imagine their future and it's just these adorable versions of themselves you know this little kid trying to be funny Fozzie and this adventurer Gonzo constantly getting in trouble and getting hung up in things and a bookworm Scooter and uh, and uh, his his sister Skeeter who's a tomboy and um, you know, and Piggy was obsessed with her looks and, you know, Kermit who's trying to make everybody happy and be a big, a good, be a good leader. And it's just, it's fucking adorable and a little, a little adorable animal and adorable Ralph and a uh, little adorable Bunsen honeydew and beaker when they occasionally show up. I'm Professor Bunsen honeydew and this is my assistant beaker, Mimi. I think, uh, Bunsen honeydew was played by Howie Mandel when he would show up, which was cool. Um, <clears throat> Then there's Sesame Street 20 Years and Still Counting. I think I watched that at some point, and I seem to remember enjoying that. Um, but it's a Sesame Street kind of thing, so it's you know, aimed at kids. Um, I'm a big kid, so I enjoy stuff like that, even though. <laughs> um, and in 89, he did the Jim Henson Hour. Jim Henson Hour is neat. Jim Henson Hour was, like like I said, you know, Jim did all these experimental films. And um, and he liked to experiment with different things. You know, It's listed in his Wikipedia. You know, He's an inventor, and he was. He invented lots of different little bits of puppet technology along the way as various things have, have been uh, needed to be created um, and little bits of technology and experimenting, you know, of, of different things that he could do with puppets and on the Muppet show and whatnot. And the Jim Henson hour really took that to the next level. There was some interesting stuff in it. It is a, a dynamic and interesting show, uh, you know, a, a, not like a funny show, even though sometimes it's funny, uh, it's entertaining, uh, but generally speaking, it's got like lots of vignettes of sort of, interesting bits there's all sorts of things that kind of uh happen on the Jim Henson now it's been a minute since I've watched it but it was an interesting thing to watch uh I wouldn't say that it's like you know if you're a mid-level Jim Henson fan don't you know don't jump into that first um finally we got the Muppets at Walt Disney World which again I think I watched that but I don't remember it um so you know that's the scope of you know Jim's career personally like in tv and all these things but there's so many more things that he was involved in and i mean there are more muppet films that were produced and little things here or there that you know he had some peripheral part of or, or was produced after his death and his name's on and his characters are on but one of the biggest contributions that jim made to um, film i think is jim henson's creature shop and Jim Henson's Creature Shop, you know, for me is alongside, you know, Rick Baker and uh, all the other great special effects masters. Uh, you know, things uh, started in Sesame Street with puppet building for there and then moving into the Dark Crystal where they built all these great things. Um, but they worked on one of my uh, favorite of mine as a kid, a movie called Return to Oz. And they created all the creature effects for Return to Oz, which is a really, really dope, um, like, I don't know, reimagining. I don't know what you would call it. Of Oz, the Tin Man, so cool, and the Flying Monkeys, Return to Oz. If you're somebody who's like me, and you really like love visual stimulation, stimulation, um, and like things that just look out of this world and 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 cool and interesting, Return to Oz is a very cool movie. So I recommend that. Uh, also did special effects for creature effects for Dream Child. I don't know what Dream Child is. Labyrinth which, like I said, is amazing. The Storyteller, Creature Effects. The Storyteller. I'm forgetting what The Storyteller is. I don't want to get that one wrong. I think that's a pretty cool movie, The Storyteller. It was like a TV movie, and there was like a dragon, 
the special effects that they did in it. I had this creature uh, creature shop book, and there was different creatures that I saw in the book that I loved, and I wanted to see the movies where they came from. And one of them, I think, was The Storyteller, and I think that was the one. Or it might be Monster Maker in 1989. That's another one that they did creature shop effects for. I'm not sure. Uh, the Bear, Lighthouse Island, uh, The Ghost of, Fa- of Favner Hill, which was a puppet show that they produced. I don't know why that wasn't on the other list. That was like a thing. I don't know if it was just a pilot. It was something that they did. It's interesting, the puppets. I just remember seeing a picture for, for the promotion. I never watched it. Um, but cooler than that, they did all the effects for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, the three films with all their, their moving eyes and, and those practical effects of the Ninja Turtles, that was all Jim Henson's Creature Shop. And I don't know about you, but I really like that stuff. And, and seeing the CGI ones like made me appreciate it that much more. We talked about The Witches. Um, There's a movie called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. There was a great TV show which introduced the great Bill Beretta, who is now uh, the puppet captain. He does Ralph. Um, he was Earl Sinclair on Dinosaurs, which was a great sitcom. And the creature effects were done by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. And oh, fucking amen. If you haven't watched Dinosaurs, that's a great one. That's worth checking. That, that, that's like a, you can dive into that whenever. The Muppet Show, Dinosaurs, that's a good place to, to start with some Jim Henson stuff. Uh, There's a movie called The Polar Bear King. Uh, Big Bunny Plush Doll was made for the Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. <laughs> I guess they just did that one thing. Uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, obviously, they worked on. Wolf It, I don't know some of these movies. The NeverEnding Story 3, they did creature effects. They did the creature effects for the Flintstones. I don't know about you, I've come to really love, the, appreciate the Flintstones movie, with John uh, Candy and Rick Moranis and, uh, um, what's your name? Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. And um, that movie's great. And uh, the creature effects are great. I mean, the look of everything and the the town and just shit's amazing. Also for Babe in 1995, it's a great one. And for Cutthroat Island, I vaguely remember that movie. They did some animatronics. And the 101 Dalmatians, first live action movie, creature effects. The Adventures of Pinocchio in 1996, creature effects. Uh, The English uh, Patient, they did the prosthetic effects. Um, The Phantom, they did the Phantom Suit. Samson and Delia, they did the mechanical lion. I never saw that one. Um, in Buddy, they did the creature effects. They did George of the Jungle creature effects for like all those animals and stuff, animatronic animals. The Odyssey creature effects. Lost in Space creature effects. Dr. Doolittle creature effects. Jack Frost creature effects. Alice in Wonderland creature effects. Animal Farm creature effects. My Favorite Martian creature effects. The Talented Mr. Ripley visual effects. Mission to Mars uh, in 2000 wire removal. So now, I mean, this is after Jim's death. But like this, Jim Henson's Creature Shop has gone on, and and it's going to still go on. I'm going to I'll keep sharing more. Brotherhood of the Wolf, the Creature Effects. I love that movie. I, want, I was trying to show it to Julie. I want to do a, a special episode of Brotherhood of the Wolf this weekend, possibly if I get a chance to watch it um, on uh, that movie. Uh, well, I might not be able to do it this weekend, but we'll see. Um, Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas. They came back to do some more. A movie called Rat. Uh, Harry Potter and the Fall House for Stone. They did the creature effects for for the Harry Potter uh, movies, or I don't know, at least for that one. Um, Gosford Park, Snow Dogs, uh, Stuart Little 2. Oh, yeah, I guess they, they switched to fucking CGI after that, but they did Philosopher's Stone. Um, Gosford Park, Snow Dogs, Stuart Little 2, The Master of Disguise, The Country Bears, which sucked. Uh, Looney Tunes back in action, stand in puppets, the lady killers, uh, puppets around the world in 80 days, visual effects, five children and it character animations, 
Pride, visual effects and animatronics. Are we there yet? Performance animation. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Puppet fabrication. Batman Begins. They did the visual effects of the Scarecrow. Um, the producers. They did creature effects. Darjeeling Limited. Animate, animatronic Tiger. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. They did the puppets. The Hangover. They did the tiger in the car. Where the Wild Things Are. They did the creature effects. The Muppets. Puppet costumes only. Uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Puppets along with Puppet Heap. Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. Oscar Hotel for Fantastical Creatures, uh, Grumpy Cats, Worst Christmas Ever, The Jungle Book, Stand in Puppets, Rock Dog, The Happy Time Murders. That was great. I, I haven't finished it. I started watching that recently. They did The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which I told you was incredible. Creature Effects for Rise of Skywalker. There's some great creature effects in the background. Those movies suck, but the fucking creature effects are great. Uh, Earth to Ned, Come to Play, Duff, Duff's Happy Fun Bake Time, Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, that's the recent remake, Pinocchio Visual Effects in 2022, and Five Nights at Freddy's. They did the animatronics, which was great, just most recently. Uh, others down here, Snuggle, the Snuggle Bear for the commercials, Lending Tree, Lenny, Jack in the Box, the Muppet Jack, Hamburger Helper, Hamburger Helper Glove, The Joy of Music, Joy, Henson Alternative, Puppet Up, Uncensored, 53rd Annual Grammy Awards, Nintendo Digital Events, Coldplay's Music of the Spheres, The Weirdos. So much shit, man. This is from the Creature Shop. It's, this is, like, thank you, Jim. Can everybody say thank you, Jim? Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You know, you owe Avenue Q to Jim. Just like you owe fantasy breaking through in more ways to Jim, you know, like, like, I mean, granted, is, is, uh, George Lucas helped with that. Like, the, you know, there's, the, there are many people to thank, but, but really, we owe so many things to thank to Jim. And then, you know, one of the greatest things that Jim did for me was introduce me to one of my other heroes, who I think I pulled up right here, um, the great fucking Frank Oz, who was Jim's right hand man forever, and, um, you know, he came to. Uh, direct lots of things for the Muppets and, you know, produce and, and whatever else. And he's gone on to do a lot more than just that. Uh, famously, he plays the corrections officer in the Blues Brothers movie. And he's also the voice of uh, Elwood's building manager. Um, and he's the voice of Yoda. Um, and he's in the Muppet movie. He's a creative consultant. Um, and, uh, you know, he's Fozzie Bear. He's Miss Piggy. He's Sam Eagle. He's Animal. He's Marvin Suggs. He's lots of great characters. Um, and, uh, you know, he's in the, uh, the, the great Muppet caper. I'm not sure when he started like directing them. I'm going to see when there's notations here. I'm, I'm using fucking Wikipedia, but, um, sorry, my mouth's dry and I don't have any water. Um, and the Emperor Strikes Back. He's Yoda, of course, uh, the great Muppet caper an American werewolf in London. He plays Mr. Collins. Let's see the dark crystal. He's Agra Chamberlain. He's the ugly woman um, with the one eye passing it all around. He's awesome. Agra. Um, and then in 83, he's the surgeon in a deleted scene in Superman 3. He's Yoda in Return of the Jedi. In Trading Places, he's the booking cop. Um, the Muppets take Manhattan, 85. You know, he's, again, he's he's also Bert and he's Cookie Monster. Fucking Frank Oz is the best. He's like, he's, he's Grover. Oh, my furry blue body. I love Gonzo. I mean, uh, Grover. Uh, Spies Like Us, he was the test protector. Sesame Street, Cookie Monster, Bert, Grover. Uh, in Follow That Bird, he's in, you know, Muppet 3D. He's in Labyrinth as the wise man. The character of the wise man. 
Oh, I think he's got like a mustache in, in the middle of the movie. Um, let's see. Innocent Blood, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, 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 yes. Have I mentioned that the stupidest thing that they've done, haven't done, Disney hasn't done, is that they haven't brought Frank Oz in to run The Muppets? It's just like so fucking insulting. Um, and the day they do that, I'll reach out to Bill Beretta again and I'll start trying to work for The Muppets. Um, Yoda, Muppets from Space, The Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland. The Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland is actually awesome, by the way. <laughs> you should watch it. It's really great. In Monsters, Inc., he plays Jeff Fungus, uh, which is fun. Uh, he, he, you know, he comes to play some characters in Zathora. He plays the robot. Uh, he's Yoda. Um, being Elbow and I am Big Birdies himself in those documentaries. In Inside Out, he's the subconscious guard, Dave. Um, Star Wars Force Awakens, Muppet Guys being himself, Knives Out, Alan Stevens. Oh, I didn't notice that he was in Knives Out. I didn't notice that. Okay, so that's one thing, him as a performer. And like, you know, whatever. Dude, him as a director? Title, The Dark Crystal, co-director with Jim Henson. Muppets Take Manhattan, he directed, he also wrote. One of my favorite movies of all time, probably in my top 10, The Little Shop of Horrors. Um, also did ADR voice for that. But he directed Little Shop of Horrors, which is Alan Menken and um, Howard Ashman. Um, and one of the greatest musicals ever written. One of the greatest movies ever, ever made, I think. And the fucking special effects in that movie, what they did to achieve their stuff, and Creature Shop wasn't available. They had to bring in another company to do their plan effects for Little Shop of Horrors. And it is some of the greatest fucking puppeteering. And man, magnificent. Not only that, this motherfucker directed Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is great. What about Bob, which is awesome. Bill Murray. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's a really great one. House Sitter with Goldie Hawn. Very cute movie as well. And I think Steve Martin. Great one. Um, the Indian in the Cupboard he directed, which is all right. Uh, in and Out, which is a favorite of mine, really like that one. Bowfinger, which is another like unsung favorite. You're gonna be a star. You're doing great. Bowfinger, classically, um, uh, Eddie Murphy plays this. Uh, well, he plays this movie star, and they have to get somebody who looks like him to film the remaining scenes of their movie because the star refuses to film them, and they get this dude to come in to sub for him. And he's just such a doofus, and it's 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 awesome. And uh, Steve Martin plays such a shyster. I think Poe Finger was written by Steve Martin, maybe. So it's a it's a good one. He also directed the score with Ed Norton and um, Ed Norton and Robert De Niro, and uh, the Stepford Wives, which was cool. Death at a Funeral, which is a good one. Um, I didn't realize he'd made Muppet Guys Talking, Secrets Behind the Show, The Whole World Watched. i got to watch that because I haven't had a chance to watch that one yet. And then apparently in 2021, he directed a movie called Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. I haven't seen that. Don't know anything about that one. But uh, amazing. As a producer, he executive produced The Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. Um, producer, The Great Muppet Ca Caper, and... Um, and other things. Then in television as well, you know, working Sesame Street, Saturday Night Live when they did their stuff for a little while. Um, the Jim Henson famously did a season of the of of what well, was it? The Muppets. They had like this weird thing that they did. It was a little weird. Um, it's not the not, not my favorite of their stuff. It didn't exactly work on the show. Um, but of course, he worked in so many of the other things that we talked about. Just seeing if there's anything that he worked on that's like beyond 
what um, the scope of things that we already spoke about. Okay, no. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> that covers a good range of it. I mean, obviously, I could get into more and I could get into deeper stuff and, and more stuff that have been produced by Jim Henson Company. And, and there are other great things and, and, and plenty of things that I could talk about. But, you know, at an hour and uh, six, seven minutes that we're about to hit right now, um, I feel like I've probably done my due diligence here. You know, Jim said, and, and there were so many great quotes by Jim, but the one that I always like to remember was that uh, it was his hope that the world would be a better place for him having been here. And I am here to tell you emphatically that it is. It is, Jim. It is. It is a better world because you were here. Thank you so much for being here, Jim. Thank you for sharing your brilliance with us. Thank you for raising up so many brilliant people around you, like Frank Oz and others. Thank you for being such a wonderful human being to think about world peace when you're creating these things, to think about friends and relationships and, you know, to just not sell out and, and, and just to be your unique self and make your unique art for your whole career just to go out making just beautiful things and his funeral so beautiful and i have the magazine from from when he died the time magazine and the article on his life and his death and ah uh, was wrecked finding out that jim henson passed away and uh it, the world seems a little darker ever since he went away but it's up to us to shine that much brighter so that we can make up for the loss when people like Jim go away. I, I was struggling what to call this episode because I was going to call it, I was going to say, cool as geeks are dead. <laughs> but I think I settled on, coolest geek who ever lived, Jim Henson. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Anyway, I'm your host, Jesse Blaze Snyder. If you like music like me, you can join me every Monday. Usually, I was a little late this week. Every Monday night for my show, All Your Favorite Bands Suck. Uh, and then, of course, you can join me every Wednesday. Again, I'm a day late here. Sorry about that. And every Saturday, kicking ass and taking names. You can also email me at jesseblaze at jessesnyder.com. I'm really excited uh, for all you people who supported my comic book, King of Kings. Uh, we're actually been shipping some of those out in the mail so some people start getting those um and uh, for those of you who've been asking if there are any available still um you have to go over to like my facebook because uh, that's like the only place where i'm well i mean if you if you reach out to me on whatever social media i'm sure I'll, i can probably like direct you to something but uh but yeah we have a little bit left but we didn't print a lot we, we didn't like we wanted it to be special and we figured we would do like another print of the thing in the future so you know, when we did issue two, we would do like a reprint or whatever. Um, so we'll do that. But anyway, um, I love you. Thank you guys so much for um, for supporting the book and supporting the stuff that I do. And people who went to go watch the music video last week, we've been getting a lot of views on Dilf USA's new video, Money Ain't Funny. It's a lampooning the strikes. It's pretty funny. And uh, my, my girl, Julie, directed it. And she's awesome and did a great job. And, and uh, it's, it's, I'm really proud, really proud of that one, uh, even though it's kind of simple and kind of thrown together to a certain degree. I think it came out really great. Anyway, um, thank you guys for your support in all these things, and thank you guys for listening to the show. I hope you appreciate my passionate approach to all of this material, and I hope you guys have appreciated my switch to try to add as much sunshine to this geek culture conversation as I possibly can in the midst of all of the 
negativity that we find ourselves in these days. Anyway, I love you. Care Bear Stare. Join me again next time on another ass-kicking episode of The Coolest Geek Alive. Love you guys. Bye. You've been listening to Coolest Geek Alive with me, your host, Jesse Blaze Snyder. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe for more excellent geek culture content. Thanks for listening. It's my favorite part!